Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for being such an amazing God. And we ask, Father God, that you be with us. We, we've been here. We've been singing. We've been praying. Uh, and now that we're about to get to the word, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask, Father God, that it be you that speak and not I, and that you help us be receptive to your message. We ask these things not because we are worthy, but because Jesus and his blood that was shed on, on Calvary is worthy, and he was found worthy. So because of your grace and your mercies, we're able to come here and learn more about you and praise your name. But we dare not do that without calling upon your spirit. So be with us now as we're about to open your scriptures. We ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, church, uh, go ahead and find your way onto Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. And as you get there, let me tell you a story about this guy named Johnny. You know, if I was in a Spanish church, his name would be Pepito. But because we're in an English church, we'll call him Johnny. And let me tell you what happened with Johnny. And you're going to Micah chapter 7, by the way. Johnny found himself at Grandma's house. He's out in the yard. He's spending some time there in the summer. And he got the coolest gift ever, at least by my count, a slingshot. And so he's sitting there, and, you know, he's doing, like, little targets and stuff with the trees. He's out in the woods. He's really trying. He's working. And for the life of him, he could not hit his target at all whatsoever. After being frustrated for what it seemed like an eternity to John, it was probably only, like, five minutes because, you know, kids are impatient. But he decides to walk back to the house over to Grandma, and he sees the, the, the family duck. You know, just 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 playing there in the yard. He's like, you know what? I just had an impulse without even thinking about it. He swung back the slingshot. He let it go. And wouldn't you know it, bullseye. So the duck immediately fell over and expired. And so Johnny was all scared that this happened. So he went right ahead and grabbed the duck and just kind of hid it underneath where all of the wood piles are that they, that they collect for, for winter and stuff like that. So he just kind of just hid him under there. And then when he looks up, he sees his little sister Sally just staring at him. And so Sally didn't say anything but just smiled at him. They go back into the house. They're having lunch. And as soon as lunch is over, Grandma says, Sally, can you please take care of the dishes? Well, I, Johnny wants to take care of the dishes. Grandma, don't you, Johnny? Remember the duck. And so Johnny says, yes, that's right, Grandma. I, I want to do the dishes and goes and do the dishes. After the dishes are over, you know, Grandpa says, hey, you guys want to go fishing? Let's, let's go over there. Let's go back to the, you know, to, to the pond and let's go fish a little bit. And, and so grandma was like, well, you could take Johnny, but I need Sally back to help me prepare, you know, as we do everything and get ready for dinner a little bit later. And, and so Sally was like, well, actually, grandma, Johnny said he would love to be your helper for today. Don't, didn't you, Johnny? Remember the duck. And so Johnny, you know, absolutely, yeah, that, that's right, Grandma, I'll be your helper for today. And Sally enjoyed an afternoon of fishing with Grandpa all by herself. And this carried on for about seven or eight days or so, where Johnny was doing both his, his duties, his chores, and, and his sister's. Because every time something new came up, she said, remember the duck. And so it wasn't about to seven, eight, eight days later that he completely just, just simply just like, okay, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Grandma, I killed the duck. I killed the duck. I did it, I did it. I just can't take this anymore. And so this is what she said. I know, Johnny. 
I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing because I love you, I forgave you. I just wonder how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. And so we have things in our lives that make us slaves. Our hiding it, our not confessing them and fessing up to them will keep us bound to them. And I can just picture my God saying, I know, Joey, I know. I've known all along. I see it all. I know it all. And because I love you, I've forgiven you. But you just haven't chosen to accept that forgiveness. I was wondering, I was pleading, how long, how long will you let sin and the devil make a slave of you? My God cannot help us. He is an all-powerful God, but he cannot force his help upon us. He cannot force his forgiveness upon us. He makes it available. He makes his grace and mercy, and it is sufficient, but he cannot force it. And if we live in denial, we render him powerless. And so it is crucial that we are true to ourselves and that we no longer live in denial and that we are clear so that he could do what he does best, which is get rid of the sins in our lives. And there's a process to how he does sin and how he takes care of it. Micah 7, verse 18. Um, Micah 7, beginning on verse 18. And this is what he says. When you have it, say amen. Right? You all went to Micah already. So I told you the Johnny story. All right. Who is a God like you? Pardoning the iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. I do not delight in mercy personally. I, I, I struggle with that. It's like, God, I just want to wring that person by the neck. But you're telling me I got to love and forgive. Oh, you know, and, and so I struggle with that. But my God actually looks forward to being merciful. Although we deserve a particular punishment, he delights in just being loving and kind and merciful. He delights in mercy. Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Verse 20, you will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from days of all. This is his pattern. He's not angry at us forever. He delights in mercy and he would take all of our sins and throw them into the deepest parts of the ocean. He is willing to do that for you and me with compassion and love and delight. That is how he deals with that. Steps to Christ, page 49, says as follows. As your conscience has been quickened by the Holy Spirit... You have seen something of the evil of sin, of its power, of its guilt, of its woes. And you look upon it with abhorrence. You look at sin and you say, I just don't want anything to do with this. You feel that sin has separated you from God, that you are in bondage to the power of evil. The more you struggle to escape, the more you realize your helplessness. Your motives are impure. Your heart is unclean. You see that your life has been filled with selfishness and sin. You long to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be set free, harmony with God, likeness to Him. 
But what can you do to obtain it? Again, that was Steps to Christ, page 49. I don't know if you ever found yourself in such condition. If you've seen it. Because see, the problem with most of us is that we love our sins. There's some of us that disgust us. We're saying, ah, that is disgusting. But then there's other ones that we just love. We absolutely adore, but it separates you from God. And the more you try to struggle, the more entangled you get in it. And you can't be set free. There's nothing that you can do. There's no money. There's no gold. There's no silver. There's no actions that you could take that you could actually do to set yourself free. This is only that comes from a gift of God. Have you ever had that aha moment? Have your eyes have been opened to a particular sin, to a particular struggle or anything like that? Have you ever noticed or looked at yourself and this, you know, I, I know we're at church and I'm preaching. It's not meant to be rhetorical. I'm really asking, have you, have you ever seen that or felt it? Yeah, no. Don't just go, mm, to please me. I just want to know because if you haven't had that moment, we need to pray. If you're still enjoying and delighting where you are, you need to pray. You need to realize that it is not as pretty as you think it is. Some years back, you know, I, I work for the Jewish Community Center. And I had like four different paychecks. You know, I got a check as a personal trainer, as a coach, as a swim team coach, uh, as a lifeguard, as a swimming instructor, as a manager. I got all of this because I didn't want to pay full-time benefits. So even though I spent 50 to 60 hours a week there, it was different jobs. I worked for different departments and I got different checks, etc. The point is, is that at one point, I was frustrated with, with the whole work thing. And I said to my boss, I look, is there room for whatever? I said, you know what, Joey? Unfortunately, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. The pay is good. The, the job is great. Security is good. There's no room for you to grow into, which is why we're trying our best to retain you by coming up with all of these workarounds and loopholes. However, you know, I did hear from the guys that come out here to, to clean our pools and, and do whatever that they're hiring. And they start at 6 in the morning. So after 2 o'clock, you're getting time and a half. So you may want to check it out. So I did. I applied for this pool maintenance job. It was the worst job of my life. I have had a couple of jobs in my life that I only lasted a month. After two weeks, I gave my two weeks notice. McDonald's was one. This pool maintenance job was the other. I could not stand it. Anyhow, let me tell you what happened. You know, I used to just sit in a bathing suit and, and sunbathe and watch people swim. And then suddenly now I'm just cleaning people's pools and it's disgusting. And anyhow, this is what happens. For you Floridians, up north we have this thing called winter where things actually get cold and you can't go swimming all year long. So your pools, we have to protect them. We call winterize. You know, we, we lower the, 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 the water level a little bit so that it's not in the pipes. We, we suck it out of the pipes. We, we put some chemicals in there to maintain the, the integrity of the water as much as possible. And then we put a pool cover on the pool. It has like little springs and stuff and you stretch it all across. This actually makes a good trampoline if you ever happen to go on there. But anyhow, we get a chance to do that. And so sometime after Labor Day, we close it up. Sometime after Memorial Day, we open them back up. Sometimes a week before, a week after, etc., as people call them. So I, I was working in, 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 in June, and we were opening the pools and everything else. And I was working with this other guy, and this, this house, these people had money. I mean, the, the pool was huge. They had an Olympic-sized pool in their backyard. 
You know what I mean? And, and so we went back there and we went to to take take all of the springs out, out of the cover or whatever. But they had this intricate fountain flowing into one place. And then they had like a hot tub over there flowing into the pool. And so the point is that as I'm climbing and as I'm going through there, I fall into the pool while the cover has just been loosened from the edges, but it was still sitting on the pool. And so I'm in there all twirling, and I discover something that later I got to see more and more. Apparently in the winter, although we put those chemicals and we have you pay all this money to throw chemicals, that dies away like a week later. And yet we sell you all these expensive chemicals just before, you know, you, you winterize your pool. And so the water is like green and black. And then even though we put a cover, frogs, dead rats, and squirrels love to just be in there. And they like to just show up when you're just there basking in all of that. And so I'm in that water. I'm all covered up by this stuff. I'm in an Olympic-sized pool. And, and, and so the cover is all around me. And, you know, I love swimming. Back then I was in good shape. I used to be able to hold my breath about three and a half to four minutes and stuff. I could still probably do two minutes now because, you know, yeah. But anyhow, the point is, is that, uh, you know, I'm sitting in there. And, and at first, the initial thing is that, man, it is hot. I've been working on them like, oh, this is actually nice and refreshing until I see what I'm surrounded by. It was, it was an illusion. I, I got, I, I got, you know, tricked into thinking it was okay. And then as I'm trying to swim and tread and get whatever, I'm just getting tangled and tangled on this thing, just being wrapped up all around me. And so, and then I see the, the floating squirrel. And I'm seeing it right there. And now I'm just, blah. and so now I'm, I'm basking and swimming in green water, dead squirrels, swimming frogs that are alive, and my vomit. Yes, it is disgusting. And I'm just not making any progress whatsoever. The guys, after they laughed at me, and then they asked me to try to throw them that were more worried about the radio than what they were of me. This was before, I know it's hard, some of you for you guys are hard to remember. Back in the day, cell phones were like this big. And you have to pay for the minutes. I was a proud owner of a 112 minutes a month plan. I could speak 112 minutes a month. So I didn't have my cell phone on me, but I had that radio on me that we used to use to communicate. And they asked me to throw that over to them first. And then... They said, relax and stand still. And I'm saying, how am I going to stand still in this water, which is disgusting? I want out. So just relax. So I relax. And then they started pulling the edge of, of this cover, and they just dragged me right out to safety. Smooth and easy. But I had to recognize that all of my struggling wouldn't get me out. All of my efforts would get me in more trouble. And I had to fully, and for me, what my wife would tell you, I struggle with control just a little bit, you know? Honey, change the channel. Honey, right here. You know, like, 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 I, like I struggle just a little bit. God is not finished with me yet. But to completely let somebody else do this. And remember, I, I was the lifeguard. You know what I mean? Like, like, I know my stuff. I used to save lots of people, even in the oceans. But in here, I was completely and utterly helpless. I had to surrender. That is a very difficult thing to do for a lifeguard and a Hispanic male. But I had to do that. And so you see, 
It is a peace that I needed when I was there to just be still. And when it comes to your life of sin, it is a peace that you need. And your own efforts and your own struggle will not give it to you. It is something that comes as a gift from God. Work your way to Ezekiel 36, 26. And in the meantime, I'm going to share with you Isaiah 1, 18. So go to Ezekiel 36, 26, but I'll share Isaiah 1, 18, and then we'll read Ezekiel. It says, come now, and I mentioned this two weeks ago, let us reason together, says the Lord. And then he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as white as wool. So here's the Lord again. And I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about the Lord inviting us to reason together. He says, come on, we need to have a conversation, you and I. Let's look at this. Joey, right now you are in this mess. You're trying to get out and you're getting more tangled. It is disgusting. There's vomits, there's frogs, there's dead squirrels and a dead rat. Look at it, Joey. It is gross. But in order for you to get out of there, you need to just stop and let me do my thing. Say yes, take over, drag me out, it is okay. So we need to talk about this. It doesn't matter how disgusting your life may be, although your sins may be red like scarlet or like crimson, I will make them as white as snow, as white as wool. Let's talk about this, Joey. Let's figure it out. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. Because that grumpy, you know, control freak guy that, 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 that you are, with all your attitudes and all your shortcomings, I'm going to just give it to you all brand new. I'm going to change that in you. And I will take that heart of stone out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. This is what the Lord says. And you know, this is a promise that he makes. One of the things that we struggle with is that we, we hear it, we say it, we're listening to it, but we don't really believe it. And you shouldn't wait for you to feel that you have been cleansed and forgiven to start claiming it and believing it. There's a distinction there. I mean, it's very difficult. One of the things that the devil does, he creates doubt and he creates guilt. And so many of us, we, we, we come to God, we bring him our sins, we declare perhaps something that I did two years ago, something that I did five years ago, and suddenly I still keep feeling guilty over it. I still keep struggling with it. You don't need to wait to feel that you are made whole, but rather believe and trust in his promises. You can't trust your feelings. You know, I'm a germaphobe and a half. That situation in the pool was a struggle for me. And so when I went and bathed, you know, I, I got the, the espana in Spanish. I don't know. It's this plant thing that is rough and you scrub every crevice and orifice possible because it was all in there. You know, as I'm scrubbing away and I'm cleaning, I still felt disgusting. I still ate my pizza and, and my veggie burger with, with a knife and fork because, yeah, I wasn't trying to grab anything and eat it with his hands just yet. I wasn't ready to lick my fingers just yet because it was disgusting. I still felt dirty even though I clean and I clean. But you know what I'm talking about. If you come to my house and you visit and says, oh, you know, let me know if anything because, you know, we struggle with fleas. Suddenly you're going to feel like it's itching everywhere. You know, I, I, I had that with people. I talk outside here in Evil, Florida, and, and, you know, they'll say to me, Pastor, you have a mosquito like right there. 
I do that. You know, I didn't know anything. I was being bitten by a mosquito, and I had a conversation until you pointed it out. But the minute you pointed it out, every five seconds, yeah, so listen, brother, you know, and, and so, and I'm talking to you, and I'm doing this, because your mind does that. And it does the same thing with sin. And sometimes sins that you have already taken to the Lord, you fail to sort of trust Him to take it away. He promises that He will take it and throw it in the deepest ocean. He will ask the question, what sin are you talking about? Well, remember five years ago when I did the thing with the thing and the thing? Yes, no. I don't know what you're talking about. What sin, Joey? It is done. Trust me and trust my promises. Even if you don't feel it, trust me. And I will make it as white as snow, as white as wool. That is the promise that he says. Go with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark 11, verse 24. And when you have it, say amen so that I know. Thank you. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever, whatever, does it leave anything out? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now you see, there is a condition to this promise. And is that we must pray in accordance to the will of God. Okay? This is why when you have two football teams and they both pray in the locker room before they go play out their football season started, by the way. You know, when they go out there to pray, I mean to play, one team still lo loses. Well... You know, it's not everything that you play. I mean, we, 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 we all know that, that, that God is in favor of the Seminoles, right? So, I mean, uh, I'm just kidding. My wife actually goes to the Gators University. But anyways, uh, but, but I figure I don't want to get stoned just yet. Uh, anyhow, uh, so, no, but seriously, that's the reason why. You know, when, when, I, when I pray for this one thing or the other, because it has to be in accordance to the will of God. However, it is the will of God to cleanse you of all sin. So if you're struggling with a particular sin, take it to God and whatever you ask of Him, whether you're struggling with one, with two, or three, or all of them, it is okay because He wills to cleanse you and set you free. Do you see that? And so it is possible, and there's no need for you to bask in it and dwell in it. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And then from there, go to 1 Peter as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So is there any condemnation for God's children? None whatsoever. As long as you walk in accordance to the Spirit and as long as you're truly in Christ Jesus, there is absolutely no condemnation. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning on verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning on verse 18. Because you see, you go to God 
You go to the feet of Jesus. You say, come in me. I need you to cleanse me from all of this. Look, I'm struggling with the drinking. I'm struggling with the smoking. I'm struggling with the adultery. I'm struggling with the stealing. I'm struggling with the murder. I'm struggling with all of these things. I'm struggling with thou not shall have any gods before me because I always put me before you. I come first and then you come maybe third or something like that. So we're struggling with these things. You take it to him. And once you take it to him, he'll take care of it. But recognize that you used to belong to the world. You used to belong to the enemy. But now you belong to him. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You didn't buy your way into all of this. I struggle when back in the day we used to pray for our family members who were stuck in purgatory and we used to pay the priest money to pray them into heaven. Otherwise, they might be stuck there or go elsewhere. The Bible teaches that there's no silver or gold that can do this for you. But look at the next portion of this verse here. And if you can't say amen, say ouch. Look what it says. Like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers so there's no tradition you could keep or any rule you could keep to earn your salvation or buy your redemption verse 19 but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot it was only purchased by the blood of the lamb no aimless conduct behavior or tradition will redeem you I was talking to someone when we were visiting family this week, and I was talking to a young lady, and you know she was sharing with me her situation. She's cohabitating with someone, and um, she's waiting to to get that ring and get married. You know they're living together, they're doing pretty much everything, they're getting to know each other biblically and all of those things. And and she's expressing to me, you know, she she's like, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm here and I'm struggling, and I, and I and, and I told him, you know, a year, a year is going to have to be whatever, you know. But then as she's sharing all of this. This is a gentleman who grew up at Adventist, um, and when they talk about date nights and other things like that, he would not go to a movie theater. But he would drink, cohabitate, and get to know each other, but I would not go into the movies because the angels stay outside. And I'm saying, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, what is this? Because all of a sudden, we get caught up on traditions of things, and we get up on rules and agendas and conducts, and none of that will redeem you. Now, once you are redeemed, there is a way that you show and demonstrate your love for Christ, and it is to walk in Him, as we read in the earlier verse. But we got to be careful that we don't get it backwards. When I was a young teenager, I experimented with, with you know, uh, with, with an old peace pipe and grandpa's old cough medicine, and I did all of that, but I would never dance because they told me dancing was evil. So I'm still a brother with no rhythm because I never learned. But I was high as a kite, and that was okay, but not dancing. And so we need to be careful with the things that we do. No aimless conduct or tradition passed to you by the fathers, as he says on First Peter, will redeem you, but only the blood of the Lamb fight in Christ Jesus. Come on, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Colossians 2.6, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So walk in Him. You know, this is a part here that many of us struggle. Uh, Steps to Christ 52, it says that here's where downsons fell. They do not believe that Jesus pardoned us personally and individually. 
We don't, we don't, we, for some reason we seem to believe that he doesn't think of you and me. But he knew you before you were. He knit you together in your, in your mother's womb. He knows the amount of hairs that you have on your head. For some of us it's easier for him to know that than for others. But he knows that. He really does care about you. This is a God that loves you. His thoughts are thoughts of mercy and love and tenderest compassion towards you. Do you know that? I mean, do you really know it? Or you're just saying it, but you're not getting it. You know, we were talking about a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. By the way, man, if, you, if you're not like working or doing some crazy schoolwork, you should come out. Six o'clock. We're having a wonderful time. We're going thoroughly. I'm usually here teaching most of the time. Or rather facilitating. Um, but we were talking on Wednesday night about the disciples. You know, the disciples, Jesus had been telling them from the very beginning. He begins like Matthew 7, 8, something like that. Every time, hey, and the Son of Man, and he's going to die. And in three days, and this is going to happen. I'm going to destroy the temple. And in three days, and over and over, at one point, he even snapped at Peter. Because Peter says, oh, Lord, we cannot have that happen. Get thee behind me, Satan. And he told them. And then suddenly, when they come to get him, P Peter gets all upset. He's getting ready to, you know, hurt the soldier. He denies Jesus. And then all of the disciples are like, what are we going to do now? They took our Savior away. Dun, dun, dun. He's been telling you for like 20 chapters and you didn't get it. You should go back and read Matthew. You were there. And they still didn't get it. Like they knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice, but they didn't know. And with you, do you know that Christ loves you? Do you know that he has compassion to you? Do you really know? Or is it like one of those things that, yeah, 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 but you really don't know? He cares for you individually. He loves you with an everlasting love. Look what he says and look at his plead. Uh, Isaiah 55 and Isaiah 44. Isaiah 55, 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Look what it says in Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions, like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And I'm going to send you now, work your way to Ezekiel 18. I kind of just read through the other ones, but Ezekiel 18, go to Ezekiel 18 because I want you to understand this clearly. If there's anything you have not paid attention to right, right now, this is the part where I need you to come back because this is crucial. Ezekiel 18.32. When you have it, say amen. Ezekiel 18.32, it says, For I have no pleasure in the deaths of one who dies. I have no pleasure. I don't want anyone to die, says the Lord. Therefore, turn and live. Turn, shub, we talked about that before some weeks back in Hebrew, which means return, which means repent, which means, you know, you're going in this direction and doing about face away from whatever that is. So turn and live. Go to Ezekiel 33, just a couple of chapters later. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Just in case you didn't get what happened, you know, in Ezekiel 18, look at Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, 11. When you have it, say amen. Say to them. As I live, says the Lord God, is he still alive? Is he everlasting? Cool, just making sure. Okay. As I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. 
For why should you die, O Tallahassee first? Are you seeing that? The pleading over and over. Go to Luke chapter 15. And you're familiar with the story. We're going to begin on verse 18. Luke 15 verse 18. This is the story of the prodigal son. You may be familiar with it. We may have used it as a children's story. Very, just in case you don't know, I don't want to make assumptions for the sake of those that, that may be visiting. So here you have, a, here's Jesus telling a story. All right. This is uh, Luke 15, beginning on verse 18. We're going to read in a little bit. Um, here's Jesus telling the story about a father who had property. He had land. He had money. And one of the sons says, hey, you know, so I know you're not dead yet. When you die, I know I'm going to get all this stuff. Can you just like sell it now and give me half of my stuff anyways? I want to get you my inheritance now so I can enjoy it now and, and, and take care of that. So the father did that and he went out into the world. He was partying. He'd do everything else. He ran out of all of it. He had nothing. He went and got a job feeding the pigs. He found himself eating the slob that was there. And as he's sitting there digging deep, which by the way, every time I read that, I kind of throw up in my mouth a little because this is disgusting. But anyways, I'm a germaphobe. And so you're sitting there and it's like, you know, he's eating that and he says, what in the world am I doing? He had that realization that we talked about earlier. How that situation that he's in is so bad. And he realized that he needs a savior. He realized that he needs that. And so he finds himself there. And he's like, wow, even my father's servant eat much better than this. So I know I'm going to go back to my father's house and just beg him. See if I could at least be one of his servants. Let us pick it up on verse 18. Luke 15 verse 18. I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Find your way to Jeremiah 31. And as you're finding your way there, I want to, you know, elaborate on this a little bit more. I want you to picture this. The son made the father sell half of everything, give it to him. And yet when he came back, the father was just so excited to see him that he ran to him. He fell on his neck. I mean, it's a very vivid description here. It's not like he just hugged him and kissed him. And then I mean... You know, and just grabbed them and just kissed them. And to me, that's a significant impact. There's a song that I won't sing because I love you guys, um, but, 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 but that I love greatly. It's called When God Ran. I believe it's Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And, and it begins in the song describing this amazing God. And I can relate to the song because, you know, I, I'm a fighter. You know, I, I, I love fighting. I grew up fighting. And it says, you know, Almighty oh, 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 God. The great I am, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror. And the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me. Was when he ran to me and he took me in his arms, held my head to his chest and he says, son, do you know that I love you? And so this is the imagery that we see here in this parable. With the father renting, regardless of what you've done, all you need to do is realize that I need to go back to the father. And you don't need to go far because when he sees you, he'll run to you. That is my God. That is my God. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. 
The Lord has appeared of all to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You are not here in this church this Sabbath for, for, as a coincidence or because we finally got the air conditioning working. No, it has nothing to do with that. My God has drawn you here this day. And you are here for a reason. Let's go to the last text for today. Isaiah 49, verse 15. Isaiah 49, verse 15. Because you see, this concept of faith and acceptance is to, number one, recognize that you are dirty and filthy and all your struggles will get you nowhere. You must then surrender and allow my God to cleanse you. You must come to him. You must believe his promises. Even though you do not feel it, you must trust in the Lord Almighty. And no matter how far you think you've been and where you are, know that he loves you and that his love is everlasting. Even if you've been gone for many, many years. Even if you've been gone. I have one very good friend from my old church in St. Pete, Vincent. Um, actually, he came here the very first Sabbath I was introduced to the church. I don't know if some of you were here and you met him. Very good friend. He's one of those that got scared of the church when he was a late teenager. He didn't come back to about 10 years ago. And when he came back 10 years ago, you know, people were nasty to him. He came and he, 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 put, he sat down with his wife. He went to the restroom, came back, and somebody had moved his stuff because he took their chair. It messes me up with you church people. You can't be doing that. For Who cares if that's your seat? See somewhere else. Be kind and loving. I mean, I know we're creatures of habit and everything else. We know we had the baby crying earlier and stuff. By the way, look, I tell people, I've said it in this church before. I have a couple of rules when it comes to kids. Parents, teach your kids how to be quiet. Kids, don't listen to your parents because you never do anyways, although you really should. And then everybody else, when the kids cry, you just be loving and merciful. The last thing they need when their kid is crying for you to turn around and give them the nastiest look in the world. Suck it up. It's okay. It's perfectly fine. I mean, if you are rejecting the children here, when they're babies, then when they're teens, you talk about how they dress. Then when they're your young adults, you talk about the music they listen to. And then you wonder, how come we have no young people in the church? Well, you scare them and treat them like garbage for 18 years. Now that they're old enough, they don't want anything to do with you. You know, God says, come as you are. And we must create such environment. The problem is that we think we're doorkeepers and that's not our job. When God says, come as you are, come as you are. And I dare not be the one to reject them and turn them away, going against the command of the Lord. Anyhow, I, I digress a little bit. That, that's one of my things. You know, anyway, because he was sharing with me the story how difficult it was when he made the decision. He's 72 years old, going to be 73 on October 21. And I don't know why I remember that. But anyway, the point is, uh, I'm terrible with names, but numbers just stick sometimes. Uh, anyhow, um, and so, he, you know, he came in his 60s. After leaving at 18, praise God, he was still able to come before he died. And yet the very first day back, he was attacked by some of our little things. And he struggled with that. And he was there. But yet he's a person that managed to come back. He was able to do that. So even if you've been like him, that you've been gone 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, it doesn't matter how far gone you are. My God will gladly receive you. The last verse for today gives us an illustration that, that you know, I want you to imagine it. And here it is. Isaiah 49 verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? 
Yeah, surely she, she may forget, maybe, but yet I will not forget, says the Lord. And so, you know, I, I talk to people. I, I had 20 aunts and uncles on my father's side, my biological side. I, I had um, 15 in my stepfather's and 10 in my mother's. I have a huge family, people that I still don't know. Thank God for Facebook. I've gotten to know a couple hundred cousins, first cousins at that. Not to mention the seconds and thirds and stuff. Anyhow, but my grandma, when she was alive, she was to tell, tell me about some of the other pregnancies she had. 20 that were alive. She had a couple of other ones that, 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 that miscarriages and stuff. And she remembers them. She buries some. She remembers the name. She, she never forgot. Even when her mind was going, she still remember her children. But even if they forget, my God will never forget you. And so I encourage you, if you need to turn, 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 turn from your evil ways. If you haven't realized it and you see where you are and you're comfortable where you are, you need to just let it go. If you are enjoying your sin, then you know who you are. Because trust me, there are things that I struggle with. You know, when I start smoking weed, oh man, you know, like even about one or two years later, I would smell it and it would be like, ah, you know, I love this neighborhood. You know, it's, uh, I would struggle with that. You know, now don't get me wrong. Now years later, it's like, ah, it's whatever. It's not an issue. But for a couple of years after I stopped, I really struggle. And you know who you are if you're struggling. You got to be real with yourself. Don't, don't try to go right ahead and deny it and pretend because the only person you're fooling is you. We know it. We see it. He certainly knows us and see it. So come to him. Have faith in him. Trust him. Accept your condition and give it all up so that he can draw you out of that nasty, infested pool and that you can be clean once again. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we love you for being such an amazing God. Father God, I want to ask for a special blessing over every individual here. I'm not going to do the whole appeal thing, stand up and people see you, walk forward. But I'm going to ask for a personal appeal during this prayer. And I ask, Father God, that, you know, if there's anyone here right now that you know you are just enjoying that sin way too much, or perhaps you were thinking that everything is a-okay, that they make a commitment today to come to you and surrender to you. Be with them, move them, call upon them, touch them, Father God. Because without you, what awaits us is nothing but chaos and destruction. We need you by our side and we thank you, Lord, because you have been so loving and merciful, so patiently waiting this whole time for us. And I know that I have a hundred million sins and perhaps there's some of them that we already took out of my system, but there's still some that I need to surrender and give up to you. Every time I try to do it, I make a mess of it. As I struggle with it and try to swim out, I, I get buried even deeper and tangled even more. So, Lord, please come into our hearts and in our lives and help us. Give it all up to you. Have the faith, the trust, and the acceptance that without you we stink. That without you we are nothing. But in you and with you we have eternity. And we can tap into that gift and the everlasting love that you have for us. May you bless us and keep us now. It is my prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen.